everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports with industry executives and personalities. And Joe Favorito. Joe. Tom, Tom. Your, your tan is fading this week. Well, that's what, so. that's what happens after you've been on a vacation, and it seems like a distant memory now. So how are you doing? Good. And we are, um, for those listening for the first time, we are getting closer to the end of another semester at Columbia. Which is hard to believe, looking yeah. out the window to a beautiful quad that's yep. uh, in trees in almost full bloom. It's a, kind of a, an amazing time. And as kind of an industry in flux, we're always looking to the future. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of the past, but definitely more about the future. Yeah, this is very much of a future, a future look at what's happening in media. Uh, we're joined today by the CEO and founder of Wham Network, Gary Kleinman. Hey, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Gary, pleasure to have you. Uh, appreciate you uh, stopping by while you're in New York. My pleasure. Gary's from LA. He's got a really interesting background, which we'll talk about. And Wham Network, which is probably as new as as a business to most of you listening, um, is going to going to be a kind of a multifaceted streaming and video network based on gaming, broadly defined. Gary will talk about the definition Great. of gaming, but that includes professional video gaming as well as sports gaming and things like that. <coughs> um, and they're smack in the middle of probably the hottest trend in all of the business right now, which is over-the-top video streaming and kind of this new approach to media creation and media distribution. Yes. So we have a lot to talk about. I'm all here to, to do that. All right. Well, why don't you just why don't we start with a, a quick intro just to, to, to Wham! itself and the deal and, and the announcement that was made uh, recently. Sure. Uh, and what's coming. And we'll, we'll, so, we'll yeah, talk well, about the effects after. Yeah. Wham! at its core is a digital media network uh, about news information and original entertainment in esports and and gaming gaming being as broadly defined as one can be one uh, percent of the gaming market is probably esports professional athletes sixty percent of it is hardcore competitive gamers then you've got whatever that balances uh, casual gamers and then the newbies that are kicking the tires and going what's gaming all about can I really get a four-year academic scholarship to 35 uh, universities and go home on Thanksgiving and say, no, Mom, I I can get a career in gaming. Uh, And that's what it is. So most of what we do um, is original entertainment programming uh, that touches lifestyle and culture. We look at games, we look at competition, we look at tournaments to cover them. In some respects, as a low-hanging fruit, a Trojan horse, that opens up the world to the stories um, about gaming and how it touches our life. And it touches our lives both from an entertainment perspective, from an educational perspective, uh, from a medical perspective, uh, whether it's robotic surgery, which is nothing other than a joystick, a screen, and unfortunately a live body, but it is gaming. Um, right. it, it is gaming. Um, and surgeons are gaming to improve their, their, their technical skills, which is uh, something that most people don't realize, all the way to League of Legends and uh, you know selling out Madison Square Gardens for wow. 17,000 people. So this is your brainchild. It so, is. so back up the tape for us and help us understand how it came about. Like you, you had the idea, yeah, you, here's you the went short out and looked at the marketplace yeah. and you got a big partner, which you should talk about? Uh, yeah, I will. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the, the story about a year and a half ago, um, I'll give you a little, even before that. For the last 18 years, I have had an experiential marketing agency uh, focused really in entertainment and sports. So 
doing mobile tours, large events, be it uh, the Super Bowl, uh, Video Music Awards, uh, Seinfeld, fortunately, put my kids through college uh, to make sure people watch it uh, all the time and continue to. And, and in the, the, the furtherance of that business, I'm always looking at what's coming that we can experientially connect audiences to brands, to products, to services, and, and, and monetize it. So as I was looking, um, as I always do in the research, I found an article about the most prolific female gamer from uh, Canada in League of Legends. And somewhere within the context of the article, it said that she performed at Madison Square Gardens in front of 17,000 people, and I thought there was a typo, because I said <laughs> 17,000 people are not going to go to a stadium to watch somebody else play video games, because as we talked earlier, I used to throw the kids out of the house and say, enough with the video games, go see the sun. So it, 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 there was a complete disconnect for me to think that people would show up in droves to watch other people play games. And, and I actually didn't buy it until I saw it. And then when I started looking at it, I thought, well, wait a second, this is happening. In order to make a business out of it, you need to understand why it's happening and what are the mm -hmm. touch points behind all that. And then it fascinated me from a content perspective, an audience perspective, and a future perspective. So as I looked at it, what really struck me uh, very significantly is that in the 1960s, Surfing started with a bunch of kids on the beach watching other people surf and say, well, that's kind of cool, but I like your flip-flops, I like your board shorts, I like your music, and I like your film. And all of a sudden you had lifestyle and culture around surfing, and you didn't have to surf to be part of the culture. It still exists today. Um, in the 80s, the exact same thing happened with skate. You had kids jumping off curbs, rails, half pipes, shoes, shorts, music, grunge. That may or may not be music, but... It, it certainly falls within a genre. It did not go to film because Tony Hawk came out with video games. So it kind of lost that except for one or two movies. That was a lifestyle and culture. It still exists today. That kind of spurred extreme sports. Another lifestyle and culture followed the same touch points. And when I started looking at gaming, esports and gaming, it had the same hallmark. You had, you had, you had kids. You got certainly music. Um, film, I mean, whether it's Angry Birds or Warcraft, everything. so you had the exact same lifestyle and culture, and I started looking at the lifestyle and culture and said, who's covering this, and where are those stories? And looking at the industry at, a lar at large, nobody was covering it. Nobody was really covering it, and then when you start breaking it down... So just to interrupt, yeah. what, so the time frame now when you start thinking about that is how long ago? A year and a half ago. So we're in 2017, so this is 2015. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, and started looking at that and said, well, why is that? And then if you look at the breakdown of the gaming business, you have publishers that for the most part control the business because mm -hmm. they own the titles. They're not independent nor agnostic. So everything that they do is to push out their titles. The hardware folks are the same thing. Whatever platform you want, the Xbox, PlayStation, they want you to play their platform. So they're not independent nor agnostic. And then you've got some of the accessories and software, and they, and they kind of straddle everything, but they're not large enough to really create audience. So in order to really prevail, you need to be independent and agnostic. Otherwise, you're prejudiced, and gamers don't like that. They like independence and, and, and what have you. So when I started looking at that and said, well, there's got to be somebody that can stand within the independence of the industry. And then you look at places like ESPN should have been a place to do that, except gamers 
don't want to go see a gaming story followed by judo. They're going to turn that off. So you have to be game-centric, whatever as broadly as you want to define it. You need to be game-centric, and you need to be independent, and you need to be agnostic, and that doesn't exist and didn't exist. And to a certain extent, doesn't exist, and that's the void that I identified and said, okay, we're going to do that. We will create stories about lifestyle and culture, the news and information about gaming, but then you get to you have to distribute it. Where do you distribute it? Well, everyone's cord cutting. And the best place to do that is an OTT uh, distribution channel with the Rokus and the Apples and um, Amazon. And uh, based upon my prior work with some of the folks at Cinedime, they said, well, we have three OTT channels that we own. We want to expand our OTT business, and we love to be your distributor. So uh, since they had the infrastructure and the technology stack to take the content, live and pre-recorded and distributed, um, and the relationships across the channels. We did not have to go reinvent the wheel. Uh, we're not a tech company per se, so why not use somebody else's tech? Mm-hmm. We're a content play. So um, we worked something out with Synodyne. Did you find them or did they find you? Um, I know them very well. Uh, Could you just explain to everybody about Synodyme? Synodyme is one of the, be, behind the studios, they are the largest owner of theatrical films as their core business. I believe they own 50,000 plus films, of which 65% they have uh, digital distribution rights. So they're right behind Lionsgate, and then you get into MGM and, and Paramount and everybody else. Uh, they so own they can sell to Amazon Prime, they can sell to Netflix, etc. Yeah. And they do that. So they license some of their content out, and then they started Dove TV, uh, the Family Faith Channel. Right. Con TV, Docket TV uh, on the OTT, and really built their OTT infrastructure, seeing that that's where the world was going. And then, as, again, as a result of the relationships that I had with them, they said, yeah, if you're going to do this, we'll distribute it. And then put together um, an entire team, um, went to the market, raised some dollars, and said, here we are. And um, we are... Launching with, uh, I haven't looked today, but I think 14 original programs wow. as of today. And then we're licensing probably another three or four uh, game-centric programs. And when I say game-centric, we licensed, um, which I think is, is just a very cool idea, the GDC, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, uh, is held, I believe it's in February, March every year. This year, five days before the GDC, 60 people from all around the world boarded a train in Chicago, didn't know each other, and their task was to build as many mobile games as possible by the time they got to San Francisco. And they did it individually, or they did it collectively, cross-language, cross-culture, and we picked up all that content, and we'll do an 11-episode series called The Game Train of everything that started when they got on the train to when they presented the mobile game finished in San Francisco. So, so let me ask uh, one question, as we've kind of learned enough about what some people call esports to be a little bit dangerous. One of the things that's come up is the misunderstanding of segmentation in the market. So it's And the way our buddy Slasher, Rod Breslow, explained it to us was it's like the Olympics. So if you if you are interested in World of Warcraft, 
you don't care anything about Dota and you don't care anything about some of the other games, League of Legends. Is there a danger from creating what you're creating for it being too broad and nobody being interested? Or is it, do you think that there actually is a market, which some people have said is there is a crossover market that does not yet exist because no one has thought to go that way? Uh, well, I hope you're right that there's a market that nobody's thought to go that way because we're certainly spending a lot of time, effort, <laughs> and resources. But have you seen to that, that, that there is an interest? There is point? an interest. I mean, oh, yeah, there's definitely an interest. Mm -hmm. um, and there's an interest. I think what solidified uh, that is that our organization started primarily with advertising, media, entertainment, storytellers. Um, it did not start with gamers, per mm -hmm. se. And when we created our base of storytelling and the content and the distribution, then in order for us to make sure that we, we had captured the right market, we needed gamers to actually say, yeah, I would be interested in that. And um, we have some serious gamers, intellectual gamers uh, that have degrees, mm -hmm. uh, semi-pro gamers that are creating content that's not just game specific. And I think that's the interesting thing. One of the statistics I was told yesterday from, from marketers and, and ad agencies is that 20% of gamers are esports fans, right. which is a small percentage, which means 80% are gaming fans. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the, the content that's interesting from a gaming perspective for gamers and non-gamers, then I think, yes, I think that that is, is relevant. And the other parallel which people have talked about, and I lived it 10 years ago, is mixed martial arts, because mixed martial arts was born of a genre totally different that the UFC came out of. And ironically, the channel that put it all together was Spike. Yes. And when Spike launched The Ultimate Fighter, that was really kind of blossomed this business of mixed martial arts, which has started with, if you were interested in jiu-jitsu, you could care less about wrestling. Now, UFC, Bellator, a um, couple of others have come along, and you have people who now understand all the genres yes. and can actually cross over, which is where probably the market is for Wham Tom. It, it's it's a great it's yeah. a it's a salient point, and, yeah. and I agree with that. Yes, I and you know gaming is so incredibly broad, but it's also incredibly narrow. Right, and you've got the genres of games, and that's why we're not focused on games per se, or tournaments per se, or competition per se, what I've learned to, to kind of identify, if you look at what our goal is, uh, we want to own the audience, not the game. Mm -hmm. And the audience is interested in gaming and how it impacts their lives and whether it can power your life financially, whether you're going to socially engage with other people, um, families game together where they used to not game, grandparents now game in assisted living facilities with their grandkids. There's a story all to itself right there. So. Yeah, well, we have a show about a 14-year-old girl gaming with her grandmother mm -hmm. um, and cross-generationally being able um, to, to, to enjoy that and engage. And, and part of what our goal is, and I don't want to get too lofty, and, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's not a religious experience, but it's the, to legitimize gaming as an activity and as part of a lifestyle that's positive. And for the most part, gaming has been this dark corner in a basement with pimple-faced kids that are nerds, no friends, 
and they only gain because that's all they can do. Right. And when you really start pulling out all the layers, it's anything but that. And the colleges, I mean, you guys know more than anybody else being on a university, is that colleges love gamers because it's science, technology, mm -hmm. math, it's spatial orientation, it's problem strategy. solving. It's strategy. Mm. You, you know, for, for years, people said the best thing you can do with kids is read to them, right? You read a, a book and, and what have you. Well, look at a game. Is you know, game has characters, character development, conflict, conflict resolution, um, you know, music, art, what have you. One of the interesting and powerful things about a game is every time you play it, you can take a different role and you get a different result. Mm -hmm. which is really creative, which you don't necessarily get in the book. And it's not to say one's better than the other, but gaming is, has more attributes than most people have given it credit for. And I think we have, we're seeing that, which I think gives you a broader base of fans. And just to go back, something that you said right at the beginning about the 1% of esports in, in the gaming world. And when you talk about gaming, you're talking about a grandmother and... A fourteen-year-old playing Angry Birds. It's Angry. not or you know, college kids sitting around playing Madden. Madden. Right. I mean, yep. that's a broad, yep. that's yep. a broad array. Which is a yep. much easier thing to do when you have all the, the great unwashed. I think looking at there saying, esports. You know, whispering esports like in the graduate where everybody is whispering right. plastics. Right. right. And and esports right. e has its challenges. I mean, yeah. it has its challenges sure. from the localization of games. It has challenges with fandom. It has challenges with um, cheating. Where gaming itself yeah. is it's a casual experience, it's a casual experience yeah. and, and people are going to bars not to drink but to game. Mm -hmm. So, there, and there's, when you start looking at all the topics that, that we look at covering within a general gaming platform, it's actually really interesting to gamers and non-gamers alike. I mean, one of the things that we talked about uh, before we started we have a relationship with an orthopedic hand surgeon who has a subspecialty in um, esports and gaming-related injuries. Here it comes. And, right? And, and, and here come the lawyers right behind him. So. And he trademarked esports yeah. and gaming doc. And when I went to meet with him for the first time, I sat down and I said, you know... Should we throw him a bone? What yeah, is his name? Dr. Dr. Levi Harrison. The, uh, great you man. Said we should do a podcast. Oh, without him. a doubt. Yeah. The guy is engaging. But when I sat with him for the first time, I said, Doc, help me out. We can't do 52 stories on carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah. I can't do 52 stories on stretching your thumb. He goes, I don't want to do that. He goes, I want to do stories about the disabled in gaming. How many kids or how many people are missing a limb but they're competitively gaming, and they have found a social community. And the military. I mean, the military. The military. Yeah, right. the military. PTSD yeah. issues. Yeah. Rage issues where people are putting hands through monitors. Those, those, those are the topics mm. that touch gaming that are interesting to families everywhere, people everywhere. And, and I do believe that that has a, a, a cross-pollinized sure. topic for people to say, well, that's kind of interesting. And, and when people generally say, well... Are you the ESPN of gaming? I, I tend to look at Wham more so as the CBS Sunday morning show of gaming. Well, it's funny because Mike Sepso always billed Major League Gaming as the ESPN of gaming. So we'll right. try to grab that table. Uh, and table and that's there. not us. We, we are really about the thematic as gaming, mm -hmm. but we'll look at it from technology and culture, and we'll look at it uh, from art and music. And, and that's really what CBS Sunday... And every time I stop watching CBS Sunday morning, I go, oh, i got to tell somebody yep. this story. And that's kind of the discovery and the amazement 
that we want Wham to be the the vehicle for people to see gaming in that light. Right, and as we discussed earlier, Gary, this relates to Joe's point about what UFC went through, the creation of lifestyle programming that mm-hmm. ultimately led to the accept- interest in and acceptance of the actual uh, competition, yep. right? And that the stars are aligned timing-wise, as we discussed earlier. Yes. Like, like UFC and the and mixed martial arts leagues couldn't have done this, this kind of thing back then. Right? I did one. It didn't work. But it had to go yeah. through traditional yeah. uh, linear television yeah. deals with carriage deals and things like that. But so we were well, the same thing in really, gaming. G four yeah. was doing right. this mm-hmm. years ago. Exactly. Yeah. And and I actually was with the the founders of G four. T- Two weeks ago at lunch, and they said it was. We weren't ready for it. Yeah. Right, but where we are right now with streaming technologies, with consumer behavior, dominance of mobile, with the support of social media to drive audience development, etc. It's all the things that you kind of need and snack, as the fr- and as the ground video as this foundation sure. to build this. And, and and you can make snackable video almost on the fly. So the cost to do this is substantially less. This mm-hmm. is not a three camera sitcom. Network on your phone. It's all on the phone, and there's plenty of broadband, and there's plenty of storage, and there's plenty of access. And from a gaming perspective, you know, there's 2.1 billion gamers in the world, uh, and that's only going to grow because the you know the generation, as I was referring to, that was thrown out on the street to say go see the sun, they're now having children, and those children are being raised in a gaming-supported home where they're going to game educationally and they're going to game for fun when they're a year old and two years old. So they're going to be in this gaming world. Um, Mm -hmm. So your 2.1 billion gamers, I think, in the next six to seven years will triple and quadruple. Right, then you have other market forces just in the world of sports where you've got one of the major leagues, the NBA, actually launching... An e league, and you've got and FIFA. FIFA's already, but, but think about it, yeah. that. So and the NFL is doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Introducing all these young, uh, mostly younger players to the comp- a, com- a competitive version of playing NBA Two K, which most people have tried in some fashion, and that will, uh, I-, I suppose, evolve into something that is more lifestyle related as well, as it overlaps with kind of broader yeah. gaming. For us, it's content. It's great. Yeah. I don't. We can sit here and discuss. Whether the 2K League is viable or not, I have no idea if it is or it isn't. I I don't. It'd be interesting to find out if somebody defined its primary objective to doing this. Because if the primary objective, from the NBA's perspective, is to get millennials to be an NBA fan, this I don't believe is the vehicle to do it. Correct. I don't think you're going to see that conversion. Per se, but it if it's to hurt. do something else, it couldn't hurt. It's great for 2K because right. they're going to sell a lot more games. Yeah. But there also are fans of 2K that may never have know a little bit about the NBA through the characters, and maybe they will engage in some way. Uh, so, two questions. One is, um, I forgot what they were. No, uh, the first one is obviously every conference we go to where there is something about esports or the conversations you have, the biggest problem is with storytelling. So, obviously, you see a huge niche to go and tell the stories of the 6.2 billion people out there. Right. Because everybody's got a story. Right. Um, so Although you just exaggerated. It wasn't 6.2 billion. It will be. It will be. You're, so yeah, we're okay. looking ahead. We're talking about no, most we of the world. We are futurists, Tom, so that's the way we're going. We're talking about I think our audience. Right. by three. Is no, we're, no, because we're going to get three times right. the okay. non-gaming right. audience right. to watch okay. it. Never let the facts get 
literally way, everyone yes, in the yeah. world will yeah. be. Yeah. Will I agree. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what will Wham look like? So will it look? You talk about CBS Sunday Morning. So will, will there be a? Um, it's not Deborah Norville. It's um, who's the host of CBS Sunday Morning now? Charles uh, Carlton. No, 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 no. Jane Pauley. Jane Pauley. Jane Pauley. Jane Pauley. Um, He'll be younger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can assure yeah. you of that. Um, but so will it? Will you have crews out there? going to do stories and then coming back to yeah, and yeah, obviously I don't think you'll come back to a desk because we've seen the death of Sports Center but it will be along those they're, lines they're, one of the shows is, is two live days Good Day Gamer which is really a desk show mm-hmm. not necessarily a desk show and, and it's really about everything that's going on in gaming it will touch some of the esports uh, world some of the stories even the stories unfortunately where somebody in New York uh, was at an internet cafe playing League of Legends, and he stabbed somebody who wanted. So he's in New chair. York. This stuff. Happens. Well, of course, because so, yeah. I read the Post. Yeah, That's right. why it's <laughs> only in New York. Where else do you get your news? Uh, so the answer to that is, yeah. So there's a lot of studio shows um, with green screens, and uh, there's some remotes. We're we're doing celebrity gaming. We'll have athletes playing against athletes and artists and musicians mm-hmm. um, for charity. And tap into their social media, so it is. It's it's a network, and there there's a date and time to watch, and then it all goes on demand. And Joe, I learned a few minutes ago that there's some new sports that people don't even know about. So Gary, you got to talk about those. Well, we know one of them, but the second one I, I'd never heard. And before. boy, I just had a big idea that I'm not going to say on the show that I'll tell you afterwards. Okay, okay. tell us after because we'll give you a show. We got so lots of airtime. So one of them we know about, but yeah. go, go tell, tell, tell. So talk when you talk about how we sports, define right? sports and esports. This is a family show, correct? Yeah, it's a family show. These are just family topics. It it is anything and anything that remotely touches sports. So we looked at uh, drone racing. Is close enough. That's great. Um, What we were talking about earlier, because somebody approached me about two months ago and said, are you familiar with kite fighting? Yeah. And there you go. I thought we were scooping you on that. No, no, no. no, Okay. And is, is that a sport? There was an article in the Times or the or the Wall Street Journal about kite fighting a couple weeks ago. Was it really? Yeah, which is whatever. I mean, is that is that well, close? Now you got to explain what it is. So kite fighting, you know, for for those that are listening have never heard of, it's exactly what it is. You've got two elaborate kites that have knives and sharp uh, blades, and the goal is to cut the string of your competitor and knock it down. Um, okay. And I would imagine VR and AR are going to factor into this at some point. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll cover it as a technology. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's always, you know, all the money that's going into, you know, VR. It, it reminds me when Sony came to us many years ago and said, will you help us promote 3D TV? And yeah. said, the best thing you can do is put it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to work. Yeah. And, and I think VR has some great applications. I am not so sure it works. Augmented reality has augmented reality, but I think is huge. It's huge, but but VR I think has inherently, uh, in some respects, the antithesis Mm -hmm. of what makes gaming gaming. From when you came up with, or we'll say, eighteen months ago, was the concept of of WAM to now. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've seen, positively, and then? The biggest surprise is negatively where you thought of something and saying, oh, geez, we thought this was going to work. When it's not going to work, now we got to go figure something else out. I, I, th- I think the surprise still is that nobody's done it. Mm-hmm. I think the stories around gaming are everywhere. So I'm, I'm surprised that there's still so much attention 
to teams and the celebrity ownership of teams. Um, I don't quite understand that because I don't even see how they monetize that and get an ROI on that. So, But if you went out on a hunt, like on YouTube right now, to look at types of programming that will factor into Wham, you'll probably find random things, I assume. Random. Yeah. Random. Right. Random things. There's, there's and, nothing And G4 cohesive. and NLG tried to do that at one point. There was a desk show where they tried to cover right. gaming, and our friend Julie Alexandria was right. one of the hosts, as a matter of fact. Did you actually go out as part of your analysis to prepare your your pitch to Cinedime and investors, a kind of a competitive set review, like what Twitch was doing, what YouTube yes. gaming is doing, and things like that? Yes. And, and I assume you found... There's enough evidence. There's to enough evidence of stuff out there, yeah. mm. but it all also comes from a gaming background as opposed to a storytelling background. Okay, and and there's a significant difference. Um, so that that has surprised me. Um, the other thing that surprised me is the open arms that young gamers have said, "We want to be part of this." Yep, that surprised me. Um, I thought that was going to be a hard sell, that gamers, uh, hardcore gamers, were going to say, who cares about that? And who cares about lifestyle? I care about the game. I, I am very happily overwhelmed that we get calls now all the time for, how do I, I'll work for you for free kind of thing. Uh, so that's been a pleasant surprise. Um, and, and, I, and, and, and I think other than that, it's all been pretty much um, what I thought it would be. I think the reticence on marketers to say, what is this? Um, they're happier that we're not doing eSports-centric. Marketers are afraid of eSports. Yeah. They don't know what to do with it. With shooter games, a lot of brands have said you know it's very it's a big problem with shooter games. But they'll reluctantly do it, just like they did reluctantly. People always said, you know... Uh, Anheuser-Busch is not going to put a logo in the middle of, a, of an octagon because August Bush doesn't want blood smeared all over Budweiser. But Tony Pontoro convinced him to do it and yeah. eventually came around. He came around. So, so. so I think th- that's been an, an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. We actually give brands um, a warmer climate, if you would, to put toe in because yep. it's not just the e-sport and it's not just about yeah. a game. So it's a little bit easier for them to say, we've got some discretionary dollars, and we'll say, let's see what happens. And we can give them uh, snackable clips that kind of work from a thematic, depending on what they want to do for their own social media. So you know, we, so we have really negotiated this in a way to be a tad bit more mainstream than what an esports directed channel would be. So that said, have you started conversations? Have you initiated discussions with brands who oh, yes. may be... So yes, we have a lot of interest um, with, with a lot of... And, and well-known national brands that, right. um, you know... And again, some of them want to come in early so that they can say they got in early. And some say, well, we like this content, maybe we'll do this. So it's... Um, and, and talk about the the way brands will be integrated. I know you may not have all the answers at this early stage, but it's not going to be a traditional interruptive model, obviously. No. Uh, so is it some it, kind of collection of all the above? It's, it's a collection of yeah. brand integrations are certainly the best one. Product placement certainly is the best one. I would rather see a brand even create a, a spot, if you will, um, yeah. 
pick, you know, Blue Cross if they wanted to do a spot. I'd rather have them uh, do a short spot where somebody actually is in Grand Theft Auto, gets into an accident, and they're rushed to the hospital, and Anthem's taking care of the bill. Or Geico. That's or Geico. the Geico spot, right? The, the, the Geico, the, you know, they, they patch the car up on the road, right. and, the, and the, that's what they should be doing. I mean, right. it, it, it makes no sense for them to take the progressive girl and put her out there. Thank, God, know, thank and, God for that. So, you, know, you know, all those those things. And Geico right. seems to have an endless amount of money for advertising. Right. They're, they're actually getting into this space in a lot of They're doing a lot of local tournaments. Uh, but those are the kind of yeah, okay. spots that they should be doing because they can take that and then put them on YouTube and they right. can push them through their own social media and then show to gamers that at least they're trying to understand the space right. and not just say, you need to understand us, that we're going to understand you. And then when, when you go to brands or you go to other people who are trying to be involved and you say, oh, at launch... And this is where we had this conversation about the MLB network that launched in 60 million homes. Mm -hmm. At launch, we did this. When people say, okay, at launch, what does that mean to Wham? What do you tell them? We don't. We don't. We just say, you know what? Here's the subset that we're going after. Mm -hmm. This is our plan. Uh, There are ways and metrics that we can say, you know, we think we're going to put that impression in front of X number of people. You're going to pay X amount until we do. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep putting yeah. it out okay. until we do. So if somebody really wants that kind of metric, we're probably not the place for them to start with. But are you measuring? Will you? Have oh, yeah, we'll measure. measure. Yeah, we have all right, that. Right, so how, what do you envision the different consumer touch points being for WAM Network then as you build it out deeper? I think most of it is, is probably bundles um, through mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think it's the AT&Ts. I think it's the Verizons. I think that's where people are going to, for the most part, get that content. Right. I, I, that's, that's, that's who's spending money on content. They, they have a massive pipeline. And, but and you will have direct-to-consumer oh, sure. as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just cede it all to no, no, Amazon no, no. or something like that. No, be direct-to-consumer yeah. as well. Right. And, and one of Twitch's big plays is that it's not it's all live so you want to watch it's it's it really is destination viewing which is kind of unusual in a space where people said you can't do that anymore so will you be more live to tape will you and you won't go live to games probably no we're not going to go to live to games we'll go Um, live to tape mm -hmm. except for probably three live actual live shows where people can tweet questions or, or or actually participate but most of it's live to tape and just to go back to one of the things I asked about, so will you have advocates in the field saying, you know, we're at, you know, I'm talking to somebody live on the corner of 116th and Broadway. Yes. And and I imagine your cost of equipment is going to be, you know, how strong your phone or your laptop is. It's not, you don't need a full ENG crew to go out no. and do stuff. That That's one of the reasons that we can do this. Yeah. Is the cost to do this is about as simplistic, even our studio shows, um, Interviewing you know, one of the one of the shows I'm looking forward to is Women in Gaming, and it's really to highlight a female in whatever aspect of gaming. That's no different than sitting in this room mm-hmm. with a single camera and a little edit, and that's it. And it's interesting. So we can do that because it's not a sophisticated production, and with a green screen, you can be anywhere. And then, um, what do you think about all the announcements with? 
Twitter and streaming and the leagues and what's your view on it as someone who's been around this business taking kind of a yin as opposed to they're taking the yang right now? I I think there's a place for it. I I don't know that the numbers support it, mm-hmm. but from the distribution channels, they have to pay that money to compete. Mm-hmm. It, it uh, otherwise they're gone. I mean, if Twitter doesn't do that, then what are they going to do? They can't live on on the characters of communication. There are too many other places. We're not that, keeping them alive, Tom. I don't know what to do. We're trying. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you got the Instagrams that, that are blowing them mm. out of the water, WhatsApp and what have you. Mm. So they, they have to really be a content distribution platform. Mm-hmm. So they have to spend the money. Right. It's kind of a win-win for the rights holders, in my opinion, because, as I like to say, one man's content is another man's promotional mm-hmm. uh, fodder. So, it, it's uh, great. The, it's so the great. NBA distributing all its video clips for free. As, as Adam Silver has often said, that's marketing for the NBA. It is. And, and it's basically tune-in for the network partners. Uh, for Twitter, and, uh, or any social network that takes it, it's great content. So it really it's, depends on the context, right, of the user base as it, as it views that. And so. until it shakes out, it's found money to the team owners. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they could never, ever, ever have anticipated, which is why everybody wants to go buy an eSports team, because they think, that's going to get there eventually, so why not get in a, on, on a cheap, so to yep, speak? At a low cost. At a low cost, and if it happens, great. Then I'm liquid. You know, I liquidated my cost very inexpensively, yep. and the Twitters of the world are going to have to do this because otherwise they don't compete. Right, and it's and it may work to your accrue to your benefit as a new player in the business because yep. you, if it goes well, you'll have content they'll they'll want to use in some form or another, right. mm-hmm. and you'll have your direct consumer. Marketplace, which ultimately can scale as you wish, and and, and then the, you and then you're sitting on hopefully a, a good rights situation when you have those OTT third party bundle discussions down right. the line, and that's and that's why for a WAM or or a channel like WAM, it's a unique time in the space of technology and distribution mm-hmm. to do what we're doing. And the last thing I wanted to ask before we got to start wrapping things up is, is it U.S. Is it agnostic of <clears throat> Is it English language? How will you know kind of what your audience is? It, it's certainly initially U.S. We, we do have uh, several uh, foreign territories that want to carry it, either in English or we strip out the audio, send them a script, and then they'll voice over or convert it. Ultimately, it's global, uh, but initially uh, the U.S. is enough of a market for us to try to do right before we go elsewhere. Right. Okay. All right, so we want to go into the final few questions. We like to ask all of our guests, Gary, how they keep up with everything in terms of information flow. Oh. What are you, what are you, your New York Post, you told us. Well, the Post. Other than the New York Post. The Post is 5.45 in the morning, because that's when it loads in California. Mm. Um, Everything. I I read... um, you know, Google alerts on everything in our industry, so that comes uh, two or three times a day, and as soon as it comes, I, I read it. Um, I read, uh, I think I get every single newsletter from eSports Observer to Business Insider. It's covered everywhere, so I, I read. I mean, I just read all day long, and, um, and then I share it with everybody and make sure they read it. And right. so hopefully ideas come from everybody. And then in our weekly meetings, we, we go through all that. So By the way, I, how many employees do you have now? Fourteen. Okay. And yeah. how will that scale up over the next 12 months? 
Uh, we'll be 16 by the end of this week. Um, and then whatever it, whatever it takes. Nice. You know, whatever we can afford and whatever we can scale to. And based in Los Angeles, correct? Based in Los Angeles uh, in two or three weeks. A couple start in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, and then finally, um, we've got a lot of young people listening. You've been around the block a few times in your career. You're doing hiring now. What kind of career advice can you offer everybody? Wow. Um, well, what I would ask, the, tell them to do uh, is watch our show, Gamefully Employed. Wow. Because uh, it Great is a, it's, it's a weekly show about how you do get a job in gaming um, and the transferable skill sets. I think you end up, what I tell everybody is be a student of what you do well and what you care about. And, and really, really break that down so you can describe what you do. If you are a member of a, of a gaming team, there are a lot of skills in being the member of a team. It's not just playing on a team. And you need to step back and break that down as to what that means to support a team, to maybe be the highlight of a team every once in a while or do something else. And really break down and understand, one, what you're good at, so that you hopefully work with an employer that will uh, support what you're good at and then hire somebody else to cover off what you're bad at. Mm-hmm. Because it's a whole lot easier to get better at what you're good at than to spend a whole lot of time doing things that you're not comfortable yeah. doing. And to really understand that and not be afraid to tell a prospective employer why you're good at that yeah. and the value great that advice. you can bring. Mm-hmm. I really it's good advice. Great. So, How does everybody find WAM right now? Um, you can send me an email at garyawamnetwork.com. I answer all of them. Okay. Uh, and then we'll be up on these OTT channels right around July 15th. Okay, so there's nothing right now that... Nothing right yeah. now. No social platforms that we should be driving people to yet? No, not that's yet. That's Maurice's job. Yeah, that's okay. his job. Uh, we all talked right. about that yesterday and all day tomorrow. Uh, and give us the time frame on that where we can start seeing things in the market. Mid July. Okay. And then we have our, we have, we're creating an app that yeah. I briefly told you about yeah. that, that'll right. be out. Right. earlier which is in it, its most simplistic definition is tinder for gaming is, <laughs> I how, love do you, that. how do you find I got people a to game with i preview that before yeah. i thought it was pretty yeah. brilliant yeah how, how you find people to game with amazing in the games that you want to play swipe right and will to it play? be any game th- th- I mean, any game wow any game worldwide well, you can so filter it you, you know. can filter it by the games you play right. so if you want to find somebody that is um, right League now, of Legends before you, player. Before you go back to Jersey, if you want to do a quick game tonight, you can just go go you on. You just go there and, and, and create somewhat of do your you own social work. Because we could have some fun naming this. Wind. Thing. Wind. Okay. So go on Wind. Get yeah. a quick game here, here in the Upper West so We'll side. send you betas in about Mahjong. four weeks. <laughs> Mahjong Online. Where is it? So Where is it? So, yeah. I could use a, a Words with Friends fix right now. i got to go on Wind and find somebody. <laughs> the next campus, you probably could find it without leaving this yeah, floor. It's it's the English department. Mm. You'll probably bump into them yeah. as they leave the elevator. Yeah. Right? Gary, that was great. Yes. Thank well, you thank so you. much. Really enjoyed the conversation. We, we wish you well with the, um, the launch. The more, the, the more aggressive part of the launch of Thank WAM you. Network. And everybody listening, please check it out, uh, especially in a couple months when this stuff goes live, especially you uh, gaming fans out there. Please do. Um, and tell your friends. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you'll come back in another. Absolutely. Uh, um, but thank you again. Thank you. Uh, really I really appreciate it. it. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Joe, any final words or thoughts? Once again, we learn more from every show that we do, which is what we're trying to do. We do. And this is a fascinating topic that... 
Uh, I think you and I are in agreement on this. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot to, to learn, to Gary's point a few minutes ago, and I think if everybody keeps an open mind, we'll figure this out together. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, and, we'll learn, and we'll learn a lot. So, so, so thanks for uh, helping us My pleasure. Uh, get smarter on this topic. Enjoyed it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on The Cusp Show. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my host is Joe Fabrito. My production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program management program by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.